destiny, man. But you know, there's no turning back now. This is what makes me. This is what I am, feel me?
That's what we do, man, and we take this call and we post it on a podcast platform. Matter of fact, 16 different ones from Apple to iTunes to Spotify to Breakers. That means that you can go to those podcasts. You can actually Google Tony Fleming uh, podcast, which is not a podcast, <laughs> but it's on a podcast platform because it's a conference call. But you can Google that and all of them will come up. Or you can ask me for the link if you're not, if you technically challenged, even like myself, just text me at 678-644-4541 and uh, I'll send you the link uh, right after the call and you can have it there forever. So all the calls that we've done so far since we've actually uh, set that up, we got about 310 calls. Now you know before that, um, uh, before that, you know, we had over, I don't know, 20,000 calls or something, some crazy number that we have been doing over the years that are actually uh, still saved somewhere on free conference call, I think. So let's see if I can get to that right quick. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Let's see. It was planned, then I stopped it. All right, there you go. Interview right here. This lessons about uh, right that don't have anything to do with real life, with how life works, how to be a, a adult a citizen, how to manage your emotions and impulses. So the teaching that you get in prison is contrary to the very nature of who you are. So when these when guys take these programs, they fight the program tooth and nail because this is a prepaid debit call from Lewis. And recording. Thank you for using GTL. Okay, so what I was talking about was programming we get in here. And I'm about to break down the difference between like we were talking about. The traditional K-12 college learning and the outcomes of that and purposeful skill-building learning. The programs that are cognitive behavior therapy programs actually show this mirror of your life. And they force you to answer for the decisions you have made in your life. Uh, Martin Luther King, in his book, Where Do We Go From Here, uh, Community of Chaos, or whatever, I might be saying it wrong, he has a section in there that talks about freedom and decision and how the two are intricately tied together. They, they, they correlate. That your decision-making, when you decide something, you are forced to answer for that. And this is what the programming of prison is about. That is what all of life is about. It ain't just prison life. The self-actualized person understands that, and it's the reason why they seek higher levels of decision-making. They seek better outcomes because they understand what's at stake. That is something that has to be purposefully given to a human being. The ability to actually have a skill that can produce something and does something for others and produces an actual result is different than sitting up in a college class and reciting something out of a book and writing a 12-page paper about something that you won't remember. That you, as soon as you write the paper, the next week you say, what you write about? I don't know. I just did that for the grade. I don't know. I got an A. I don't know. You know, like a, a brother told me, he said, my GPA don't matter. All I get is a degree. What do it matter? Uh, so, but what does a degree mean? What does it mean? It's a program. This is where I learned my mind started changing because this was the first skill that I 
This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. There's a program in Cleveland called Edwards. It's a, a restaurant leadership academy. The brother Brandon Kraskowski, he deals with ex-fellas. He deals with people that get out of prison. He deals anybody can take the course. And what it is, it's French cuisine. He teaches you the culinary business from the floor up, back of the house, front of the house, hospitality, uh, the bar, everything. He teaches you this the, the, uh, culinary business from the floor up in this program he has designed. He offers this to fellas. He has a shortened version of this that he offers at the Graphic Correctional Institution where I met. I was blessed and fortunate to be in a, to be able to take this program. And at the same time, I was in a janitorial apprenticeship. So as I was learning the culinary business and as I was learning the janitorial program, I was learning two skills that are meaningful. I was learning about prevention of the spread of disease. I was learning about the, the systems and cycles and protocols and rules that have to take place that you protect human life. Both of those things represented that. That a janitor is not just a janitor. He's not just a custodian. This is the man who is responsible for the functioning of fortification, a building, a house, or whatever it is that he's cleaning. And the disinfecting of this, the bacteriology, understanding the spread of disease and germ and wiping things down, the removal of trash, the upkeep of of the uh, doors and windows and things so that things function right, all these things increase human life. We just look at it, oh, we just take out the trash. Oh, no, no, no. Having that bathroom clean, making sure there's no feces there, making sure the spread of disease is not happening is a very serious job. And at the same time, in culinary, I knew nothing about formal cooking. So I was starting at zero. And... Our serve safe is a certification, a five-year certification that you have to have that takes you through the whole process of food, and you understand the safety and hazards of food, about temperature, about how you have to bring meat out. It's a certain process if you have beef, if you have chicken, if you have fish. These things prevent you from going to a restaurant and being killed through food poisoning or getting sick. Uh, the proper storage, the proper uh, emptying of receptacles, the, the separation, having a hazard plan, which is a hazard analysis control plan, which I apply to my life, which is what I do. is a system that prevents harm, and it's a system that if harm does happen, I have some solutions already built in and set up, which makes my decision-making easier, so therefore we can get through adversity. It's a plan for adversity. I took both these programs at the same time. And something happened to my mind, Mr. Fleming, that I have crossed a bridge that I will never go back. It is another level. And it has done something to the way I think, the way I process, the way I see the world, the way I see myself in the world, the way I see everybody else interconnected in the world. And it has affected my confidence in my abilities. Uh, sometimes it comes across as arrogance, but it is what it is. There is nothing I can't do. There is nothing I cannot learn. There's nothing that I cannot excel at. And anything I put my mind and aim to, I will excel and rise to the top. It is who I am. Those programs gave me that because they were real. These are real things I can do. These are real things I can make money at. These are real things that really affect real people in the real world. And I thank the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation Corrections for allowing me to utilize those platforms to develop myself. 
This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Those leadership principles I talked about that I learned on the basketball court and in the rec yard and in fantasy football leagues came across because in learning this, I became a leader. I got to the point I was tutoring Thursday in the kitchen. I was tutoring guys today Thursday. They was coming to me to be tutored. Uh, the janitorial crew, I was a leader on the janitorial crew, organizing me. This is your area. This is your putting fires out, starting fires. These are valuable experiences that will last a lifetime that has allowed me to develop. This is why you rehabilitate. For I have found myself within education. In challenging my mind, I knew nothing about cooking, I knew nothing about janitorial work. So in challenging my mind at the same time in these two areas and understand the importance of them, I am now so over the top about doing your job, doing your job the right way. Prior to the COVID, I understood bacteriology and understood the spread of virus and disease and germ because I had learned these things. So I understand the importance of before I use this phone, wipe it down. After I use this phone, wipe it down to prevent the spread of disease because it's about caring about human life. It's about being interconnected and understanding the responsibility is mine. It begins with me, not the other guy. And we like to point the finger. Well, they ain't doing it. He ain't do that. They ain't doing nothing. Who are you? And we lack identity. We lack the identity of a self. And we are being driven and tossed by every wave that comes across. Every environment we are placed in, we take on the role of that environment. If we're in a room full of onions, we become an onion. You're in a room full of dogs, you a dog. But who are you? We should be creators of environment, and that is why I'm not. I'm a problem solver, a solution maker. We can look at what's wrong all day. I can talk about this should be like this, that should be like that. That is the victim mentality. I am a solution builder. I am a problem solver. Show me the mountain. Come on, we can get through this. Mm. And that is life. Life is... Adversity and decisions on that adversity. That is all of life. The utopian society does not exist. I, no one knows what tomorrow may hold, but I know it's going to hold adversity. And it's going to demand of me to make decisions, and the decisions I make, that life will demand of me to be held accountable for the outcomes. There is no, well, I'll do it when I get out of jail. The difference between the fence. The fence is in your mind. The answer is not just getting out of jail. The answer is, are you prepared to be a human being in jail? Then worry about getting out. We worry. You worry for can you function in here? You have people. If you're a pariah here, and that's what Lucasville represented, I got kicked out of a society in prison. That's what Cheryl B. Man, you horrible man. What is wrong with you? You didn't got kicked out of jail in jail. I'm in another. I'm in a jail in jail. <laughs> and it, well, you know how sick you got to be. Yeah. You didn't got. You already in the worst place on earth for the worst people on earth, allegedly that do the worst things on earth. And they said, you're worse than these people. We're going to send you to another, even worse situation. And that's when they were like, hey, man, this ain't really you. And that's when identity began. And it's been a process. It's been now, a- you, this you, call you, is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. We kind of, came down, this, we kind of came down this trail here when you were talking about you started reading nonfiction books. That's what you were saying. So you hadn't gotten to the other books and other prison or whatever. So that's where you were. I mean, that's where you left off at. You were reading John Gresham and yeah. other stuff like that. And you said you didn't comprehend um, the stuff now. You know, that's amazing. But, see, most people don't do that. Don't, you know, you know, like you, re- you read the whole book and said, I didn't comprehend it, or you read a chapter and said, I didn't comprehend it. What most people do is just read the book and then go on about their business because they said, I read all the pages. 
and it really didn't do anything for me. I read the whole book. I, I just didn't, it didn't, you know, they'll say I just didn't get it, but the truth is you're right. They really didn't get it because they're literally really illiterate when it comes to that because we've gone through the whole school system of just reading and not caring whether we comprehend or not. And so you had, that's what, that's what it started. You had time to go and say, I mean, or, or literally you had, you didn't have an ego to where you said, wait a minute, I don't get this. I don't, most people are not going to stop and say that. They're just going to just keep reading and going on with their life. And so you had the ability to, you know, the time or whatever to stop and say, let me really comprehend what I'm reading here because that's the purpose of writing the book so somebody can comprehend it, right? And so you, that's where you left off at on, you know, reading those kind of books. But did you move on to, when did you move on to the other book? Well, in Lucasville, the brother that was mentoring me at that time, uh, he was giving me books. Like I said, I wasn't understanding the books. So when I was telling like, I ain't understanding these books. And I see now, after reading a book, this is an old book I found on the library shelf. It's a lot of love old books. It's made like in the 60s by Dr. Benjamin Fine. It was about underachievers. And he talks about when a person tells you, oh, that book is born. What that person is really telling you is I can't comprehend what's being read at that level. The book is too hard for me to read. So if you read a book and you say it's boring, that's really what you're saying. You can't comprehend what's going on. The concepts are above where you're at. So when I kept bringing the books back to the brother, the brother was further ahead in his development, understood that. So he gave me a, he gave me a biography. He gave me Malcolm X, which was a biography like storybooks. It was nonfiction, but it's something I could handle. He met me where I was at, and he learned me. He taught me that, and that's. I've taken that principle and applied that to other brothers that I mentioned. So the Malcolm X, I could understand it was a story. It was a story. I had to look some words up. It was a story. And it was a story about transformation, a story about change, a story about a brother who worked best, who had This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Who, who, who used to work deaf and had the story of increasing human life. And... I wanted to emulate that. I wanted to be a leader. That that book made me say, man, this is what it's about, and it would take well over a decade to get to it. I didn't know it would take that long. I didn't know how long it would take, but it put something in my heart. It, gave, it put an aim in my heart, a goal, and I'm so big on goals and aims. Goals and aims are in everybody's heart, whether you purposely put them there or if you just allow them to be developed. There. That's why you have to be so careful what you let in, curses or blessings. Because a person will put a curse in your heart and it will become your aim. It is part of the reason why I got to prison. I don't want to go in depth to that because it's not necessary for this exercise. Uh, but what you let into your mind and to your heart will become your aim and your goal. You can purposely control that or you can allow the world to control that. And God forbid if you were in a poor uh, uh, dysfunctional environment and your aim and goal become something that is less than human. So from there, I started reading and reading and growing and reading and reading. And I still was, and I was just at the point, I didn't want to get in trouble. That was the, the process. I knew what trouble was. I knew I didn't like the outcomes of trouble, so I just didn't want to get in trouble. So I started going through this transformation. Reading helped a lot with that. Was I still fully understanding all the stuff? No. There would be, if I get one thing out of every book, that was my goal. If I get one thing out of every book, that helped me. Cool. I just, you have one minute 
remaining. Oh, okay. I talk about the next phase uh, after this. Okay. I call back. Recording. Thank you for using GTL. All right. So, talking about the progress and change. The next step that happened was the Lord Jesus Christ coming into my life. The Lord started dealing with my heart. And this brought me my morals and my principles. And I started studying the Bible and separating myself from certain things and understanding how my associations had to change to become a new creature. Um, Also, my study habits, I was influenced by a lot of different people. Some people took me down some rabbit holes, but even in the course of that, I learned something. This is the thing about learning. You'll go so far somewhere, and if it's not the right direction, your purpose will correct you uh, through life's circumstances. But I met brothers that told me to beware of what I was reading, as far as outside sources, and that books come with instructions. I had never thought about that before. I ne- might sound stupid, and this was probably in like 2009 or 10 when I started understanding books come with instructions. The person that writes the book has a purpose and agenda for writing the book. You know, people say, oh, I know that, I know that, but do you understand what that means? So you, so you understand what you're reading, why you're reading it. This is the reason why I'm into reading books that are written by the men themselves versus books about men. So when I understood that the Bible had a purpose to it and that everything was not the same, it was all information, it was all spiritual, it was all from God and whatnot and so forth, I'm not going to go into the depths of belief and faith, I applied that to all books. So when I read a book, I tell people, I say, you've got to read and see why the brother wrote the book or the sister wrote the book. Why does she write the book? What was the purpose? Because they have an agenda, and they'll share that with you at the beginning of the book and be very clear about it. And then you'll have the context and the scope that you're supposed to view their words. And that's part of that comprehension. That's part of literacy. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I got some books that are very hard to read because the level they're written at. And it takes a long time. I got a book about debt. It's called Debt the First 5,000 Years. And I've only had one guy gave this book to that actually read the whole book. Now, he read through it, and then when I asked him about it, he didn't really understand it. He just had the fortitude to suffer through and go through. And I knew he read it too fast because the book is a nice, thick book. And I know just from the vocabulary of it, it's very rare you find a man where we're at that even has this vocab, this level of vocabulary and comprehension, that it's going to take a long time. This is like six six months I, I expected to, for him to come back with the book. He came back with it like in a month. I'm like, you read the whole book? He said, I read the whole book. So I said, so what you get? And he was empty. So I know that you didn't comprehend it. And this is the challenge. Awareness and knowledge is overblown. Like I tell people, oh, baby, you smart. Lewis, you smart. You smart. I know I'm not. My ignorance is my greatest gift and my greatest detriment. It is what keeps me level. Because the more I've learned, the more I know I don't know. I'm not at the point where I know everything. I don't know a lot. I know a few things. I keep preaching that same gospel around a few things that I know to be a fact. A few principles in my life that I know to be truth because of experience, the test, of time, the outcome of my life. So I know these things to be true. You cannot do bad and get good. 
universal laws are true. You know, reaping and sowing. Doing unto others as you would, as you would want done unto you. Now, that principle there only works if you love yourself. See, if you want to do unto others, <laughs> if you want others to do unto you as you want done, if you want to do unto others as you want done unto yourself, but you hate yourself, you work death. That principle only works with those that love themselves and have found themselves and understand their purpose. Purpose is everything. Like People say, like, man, I don't sleep. If I sleep a four hours straight, that is great. I probably could go two days off a four hours straight. Purpose will keep you up late and get you up early. You know, purpose will will drive you to extents that you didn't know was possible. Uh, purpose will will bring thoughts and ideas to you that you didn't know were possible. The very point of where my mind is right now, and my mind is still very simple. Like I said, I don't know a lot. I never thought this was possible. I didn't know this existed. When you become initiated into certain things, like I said, you cross certain bridges in your life. There are certain bridges that you will cross and you will never go back. And when you cross certain bridges in education and understand of self and that interpersonal development, the world changes for you. And this is what I preach in Builders. I, I try to tell the guys, I can't tell you who you are. I can't tell you where you're going. All I can do is make you think. I believe it was Socrates. It was either Socrates or Plato that said, they said, you can't teach nobody nothing. You can't make nobody do nothing. All you can do is make them think. And that is where my growth has come from. My growth has come from my thoughts. When a thought gets caught up in your head, you keep bouncing around and it, it messes with you and you're reflecting on it, that is, that is happening there. That is the work. To- this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I'm playing thoughts real thoughts to reflect real food, nutrient thoughts, nutritious things in the minds of children, in the minds of young adults, in the minds of adults. The issue is with life, we have so much bull crap going on. Movies are not real. Television shows are not real. Fiction is fiction. Hey, man, wait, 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 that overrides everything that we do. So we don't, if you read a book for an hour a day, but you watch 20 hours of bull crap or you're part of all kind of mess, it's going to override what you're doing. Because your mind is still that of a child that you have not yet grown into a serious mind. So when, handled, when dealt with serious concepts and adversity, you, you buckle. You can't handle it. It's too much, so I need a drink. I need to go hit a joint. I need to get a little coke. I'm down. I need to go, I need I to, go to Netflix. You got to get a Netflix. You got to watch my movies. Got to have some right. sex. Right. So, so you got people. They got this movie with these dragons on it. It's a real popular show. They show it in here. They got these dragons or something. They like it some mystical kingdoms. Or I don't know what they got midgets on. I don't know what's going on. Nothing against midgets. I'm sorry. That was socially insensitive. But they will talk about this show as if it's real. This is fake. These people are actors that are reading lines. <laughs> you are a human being who have who is in prison, who has been cast out of society. You got kids, you got family, you got responsibilities and obligations, and you are sitting here talking about magic dragons, forty some years old with kids that's grown and grandkids, and they so in deep in depth in this, Mister Fleming, they making stuff up with the show. <laughs> the show was what it was, and now you saying, well, see, 
when he did that, what he really was doing was this. And you think you're in this deep conversation, and y'all ain't talking about nothing. But then you wonder why you can't problem solve your way out of certain things. And I'm not saying this because I'm perfect. I'm nowhere near perfect. I'm saying this, and like I tell everybody in class, when I'm saying these things, I'm preaching to myself. I'm warning myself. I still am in a struggle with myself. I am still fighting. It is an everyday commitment. Like the brother uh, Ian Albert Gray, I always the common denominator of oh, yeah. success. I love that speech. That speech yeah. is a mantra that every human being should read and take. It is exactly. an everyday commitment to the new self. It is an everyday commitment to the habit of becoming you. And you're going to have some off days. And what I've learned is to be kinder with myself. I was a all or nothing generalization, all or nothing. Either you love me or you hated me. And I didn't know nothing about no love, so I couldn't love nobody. So I could, how could one love me if I can't show love? So I was a generalist, this, this open generalization, I can't trust you. You betrayed me. Mr. Fleming, no, I called all week. And he ain't answered my call. Man, he acted funny. I ain't talking to him no more. See that craziness. This is that mess. This is why you got family members that ain't talking to each other for 40 years, and they want to keep talking about something that happened, and they don't even know what happened no more. They just know that somebody hey, Look, look, look. I had picked up the phone, so now you're saying, he don't like me no more. He 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 jealous of me or he hating on me now. Right. Not that you really you living life and you busy and you had something to do. Right. That's life. <laughs> I used to put everything in one person. I have this one and whoever it was, my father. Oh, he didn't do what I wanted him to do, I hate him. He don't love because the weakness in me this victim is I wanted to be a victim. I wanted to have an alibi so I could get off the hook and do what I wanted to do. It was the unruliness, the lack of conventional thinking. All these things are excuses, and these excuses continue on as grown people if you don't fix your mind. And that's what you see. 44-year-old men still with these alibis and excuses for inactivity, for failure, alibis for failure, alibis for not getting it done, these excuses. Not responsibility, not accountability, not standing up underneath it, not saying, I'm going to fix it. Yeah, I spilled the milk. I did it. I'm the one. I did it. I did that. Let me fix it. I'm going to fix it. Let me figure. I'm going to figure. I'm going to critically. Let me see what the problem is. Come up with my solutions. Fact find. Uh, consider the options and try a solution and see what the outcomes are. It's got to be measurable. It's got to be time to it. It's got to be fast to them. Like we're setting goals in class with the goal part of my class. Everybody's struggling with it. That's why I gave us like three weeks. I knew. Hey, that's why I added it. Because nobody has actually purposely sat down and set a goal that deals with their actual life. That was the whole purpose of me talking about the interpersonal development for the last six weeks is to get to this goal, which is going. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. People make generalizations. I want to leave a good legacy. That's not a goal, dude. That's a fleeting thought. That's like a belch. You know, a goal got math to it. A goal is purposeful and specific. A goal is in attempts to start building a legacy. I will, for three hours a day, read these types of books or biographies about me and that I think have left great legacies. And out of each book, I will take a principle, and I will take that principle and apply it over the next six months. See, those are goals. They got mad. They got to be specific. We don't do that. But a person to tell you, oh, I know about goals. I said goals. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You are aware and you have some knowledge, but you don't have no understanding and you have no application of these things. And this is the problem with our society right now. Just not in prison, but period. Just like parents. I'm a good parent. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, I'm sitting here telling y'all as parents, be specific with your children, your time with your children, 
start digging in. Don't allow grades, them not the police not calling about your kids to be the test if they all right. How many of us know our kids? Know our kids know know us as parents? They have a relationship. You know, a true relationship. You know, how many kids right now are in a house full of people, but they all buy their stuff? How many kids right now are thinking and contemplating suicide? They getting high on the low. They, you know, they pregnant. They scared to tell somebody. They have premarital sex, and they don't want to say nothing, and they ain't even got birth control. You know, whatever the issues are, go and find out about your kids. The job will be there. But the time that is spent, and if you don't know how to do it, go find some help. Asking questions is nothing wrong with that. I can't never feel stupid. The only way I feel stupid is when I guess. If I ask you, Mr. well, how do a clock work? And I don't know. What's wrong with me asking you? I don't care that I'm 41 years old. A brother named Isaac in here, that's, that's, he writes books and stuff. He's a deep brother. We build a lot in class. He gave me this, and I use it. I don't know if I talked about this last week. I'm going to reiterate it. If I ask you, do you know how a zipper works? Next time you got a class, you got a group of people, ask them. Everybody raise your hand. You know how a zipper works. Everybody in class raised their hand. Yeah, I know how a zipper works. So I took a pen and a piece of paper, slid in front of one of the dudes. All right, teach us. And his eyes got big. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. See, it's the, the teeth and the – you don't know how a zipper works, but you will claim a false gift. You have used a zipper. You have touched a zipper. You are aware of a zipper. You have knowledge of a zipper. You have no idea how the thing works. You can't create it. You can't troubleshoot it. You can't solve it. And this is how we live life. Life has become so easy, we just, we touching everything. It's stuff. It's a whole bunch of stuff. we touching people. We don't have real relationships. We don't have intricate, uh, 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 meaningful relationships. Due to you have one minute remaining. Due to logistics, due to the uh, blood relation, we say, oh, I know these people. I know this. Look at what this COVID has done to marriages. People that had to spend time with their families, they realize they can't stand their husband. I can't stand my wife. You didn't really know them. You ain't got a relationship with them. What, what about your children? What about your kids? We don't take time to build things. We must build these things. These things have to be purposeful. Purposeful relationships are meaningful, not just touching things. It's just a bunch of stuff. Like you said, an information overload. You're just touching a whole bunch of stuff, not understanding anything. The most important thing is to understand your life. The misuse of a life is horrible. It's a horrible situation. It's a situation that leads to depression, stress, hypertension, all these things, because you're misusing your life. There's no application of understanding yourself. That's a lonely world, not to know yourself or nobody else. I've been there before. Thank you for using GTL recording. Thank you for using GTL all right, hello, but this, uh, this will right. be our last one. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so if you got something to say, you want me something to tighten up? Well, um, I mean, we, we, we got so much, man. I mean, we got by, you know, we, we didn't even got to the we, – let's try to tighten up on the second year of you. How long were you in that second prison? Like, how long were you there when the guy started, you know, feeding you the okay. book? So I was in trouble for about a little over two years. When I first got locked up, '99 to like, what was that? 2001. Okay, I went I got to Lake Erie from 2000. Huh? 
No, no, no. I got you now. What I was trying to figure out was, and there was a thought you told me about that made you change or made you realize. Remember I was saying you said that they put you at the end of the cell and you had to oh, walk. Oh, yeah. Oh, the experience about, oh, yeah, I ain't talking yeah, about but, that. But, but, but was okay. that at the prison or was that another? That was at Lucasville. That was when I got to look. That was when I got in trouble. Okay. So the way Lucasville was set up, we're talking about this. Okay, once I got in trouble, I got uh, fined with the knife, uh, was put in a hole, and was sent to the higher-level security. They got the old-school ranges, like Shawshank Redemption. The newer prisons ain't built like that, you know, because the environment of how the prison is built even affects the mentality of the, you know, what type of climate and mentality it is culturally. So uh, Lucasville is an old-school prison with the, with the ranges, with the bars, with the open bars that you see on them old jail movies. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Because I'm in the hole, everything you do, you shackled up. So your legs are shackled, you got the belly chain around you, you shackled up like an old slave. So they walk me up the steps, I get to my block, they say, you in 80. 80 is at the end of the range. So as I'm getting in here, like the whole environment, the whole feel of it is different. You can feel it. It's different. I'm seeing men, these men... Some of them butthole naked, they're yelling, they're screaming. It is a different mentality. I wasn't in Kansas no more. And this is what made me realize this ain't you. They have these jars full of feces and piss. They're ready to throw them on people. It's a mental health issue. It's a mind issue. It is the mass that is the fault. The men that are in the higher levels are men who cannot control their minds. And... When I was put in the, into that environment, I realized, boy, this ain't you. You just been lazy. You can control your mind. You need to get it together. And that's when I started taking responsibility for my thoughts and my actions and the outcomes of my life and started working on controlling my mind because they're there because they can't control their mind. And it turns out in violence and debauchery and all types of wickedness. Um, we got a mental health crisis. I'm a huge proponent of mental health and talking about mental health. That's a taboo and a stigma amongst uh, most marginalized people. You know, we just tough and we going to bear. You know, oh, cousin so-and-so, he just a little touch. He all right. No, they ain't all right. You know, we need to deal with mental health issues. We need to deal with trauma. We need to deal with our thinking because mental health is our thinking. It leads to the substance abuse because you're trying to self-medicate. You're trying to get away from these thoughts that you can't control. But these thoughts can be controlled with therapy. Uh, this is what, what, what Robin gave me. Like, my father got diagnosed with the bipolar thing uh, years. It was, it was some years. And when I found out about it, you know what I did? I said, mm, that's terrible. I didn't want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? That was a terrible. I, I, I just disregarded it. I didn't want to talk about it. It would be years later that I would dig into it and find out about it and do some research on it. Um, because mental health is such a stigma and a taboo that it is destroying us. It is your thoughts. It is if your thoughts are healthy. Now, we know when our body is unhealthy, we are dysfunctional physically. When your mind is not healthy, and it might not be through no fault of your own. People are diagnosed with certain things, and they need some counseling. Sometimes they might need uh, some type of drug. But if we're not dealing with it, if we are not purposely finding out, well, why is he acting like that? Why does he do this? Uh, excellent books. Uh, Robin Hill, A Healing Journey, book I read that she created. Um, 
a book called Changeable. You, you, never, you never did tell them how you met Robin, because I'm a Facebook friend of Robin's now, but you, you said you saw her on PBS, but that was it. You kind of cut that off. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so this is at, uh, this was some years ago. Now, probably, what, maybe four years ago, I'm watching PBS. I'm a proponent. I love PBS. So I'm watching PBS, and they're on there talking about children who witness violence early on and how that violence can affect them, and they suffer something called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I'm like, I thought that was for soldiers. I had never heard of such a thing. I have never heard of PTSD and trauma for children and how violence affects you because in my mind, my warped sense, you know, everybody see, you know, the mama get knocked around. You know, that that's that's natural. That's natural behavior because that's what I grew up with. I thought that was, you know, something you do and you don't talk about it. You know, you don't talk about it. You keep your business in-house. Uh, and that, that didn't have no bearing, so, you know, no, no weight on how I thought. And what she was saying was going literally into my mind and my soul and breaking down what I was going through and what I couldn't understand and was giving me this way out. And after that, you know, I took her name down and whatnot, because that's what I do. I, I take, you know, if I hear something, I take it down, take the name down, and I started researching childhood PTSD. I started looking at education, child education. Child, everything was about childhood then. I started going back, and that allowed me to start reflecting on my own life. And as I started reflecting on my own life, I started seeing, damn, this is what's going on. It was my thoughts. It was my mentality. This is why I thought like this. These was bad thoughts. Like I say, some stuff in life we should quit. You got to recognize things you should quit and things you should begin. That you can't do that that over generalization. Oh, don't ever quit. No, it's some things you should quit. I need to quit thinking like this because this is a false thought. This is a false identity. I don't even know who I. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. What Robin Hill had did for me was so powerful. I said I got to reach out and tell her what happened. You know, like I got you because it was just this was a, like a, yet another bridge that I crossed that took me to another place in life. Uh, so I prayed on it. I reached out to her, and she responded. And from there, we have developed a, a friendship and a bond. She was a mentor to me and a, a, gay, a guide and an aide. And she is, this weekend, going to be the MC and the lead speaker and representing Books for Bruises uh, in the book and trauma-informed giveaway on October 17th at Mount Island Missionary Baptist Church. Which you told me too late about, so I can't get the book there, but on October 31st, yeah, I have those books for October 31st. But go ahead, I'm right. sorry. And it's cool. We're going to perpetually give give these things to these kids because the kinship population gets no money. These are the direct, we're talking about the ripple effect, the direct effect of my crime, direct effect of what crime does, what debauchery does. A parent that's on drugs, substance abuse, undiagnosed mental health, a parent that gets shot and that gets taken from the world, a man that commits crime leaves his family, a woman that commits crime leaves her family. All these things cause children to be displaced. The grandmothers, the aunties, the sisters have to take these children in. It's called kinship care. They don't get any money. So you talk about grandparents. I talked to a lady, Carla Lanier. She runs the Fairhill Kinship Population. She's dealing with 190-plus kids, 90-plus grandmothers. Her oldest grandmother is a great-great-grandmother that's 92 years old taking care of some babies due to dysfunction and crime. This is what I've caused. This is what i got to fix. 
This is the issue. This is the problem. This is what's at stake. You got a 92-year-old grandmother, a fixed income. You got grandparents sleeping on couches because they got to give up their bed because the county, you got to have a bed for the kids. This is a serious issue that doesn't get talked about. They don't get money from the state and from the county. So Books of Bruises is going to bring awareness to this issue, and we are going to fix this. This is a problem. I'm going to solve it. And I need the help of the community. I need the help of y'all to solve this thing and figure out the solutions to this to get support to these grandmothers, these grandparents, not only financial support, but they need mentorship. They need help. The beginning of it is giving them these books. And uh, November, I'm playing a Zoom call for the grandparents. I have a doctor out of Boston, uh, Mary Barr Helper. She works with the Boston Child Study Center. She is going to do a lead for these grandparents to help them because I know that the kids go start getting the therapy through the books and learning the language and learning what's going on with them. The caregivers have to have it too so that you match it. I learned this through that book I was talking about, Changeable, by Stuart Abline. It's a book about collaborative problem solving, dealing with your children, the A and B solutions, the A and B technique. Uh, so this is what's at stake. So Robin is great. Robin is my friend. She's a confidant. She's a guide. The work she's doing is changing lives. It has changed my life. It has enabled me to influence others. It is the ripple effect. Uh, so that's how I met Robin. Uh, Mr. Fleming, you have been a mentor, a guide to me, have helped me, told me about books, all Mandino. Uh, and without mentorship, I want to express for ask questions, y'all. Whoever you are, I don't care where you are, I don't care if you're 50, if you're 60, if you do not know something, reach out to the people that you think that know and keep asking questions until you get the answer. Ask questions. Reach out for help. I didn't have that. Everything I did, I compartmentalized. I took it in. I made it that somebody was against me, and I would never ask for help. I would never ask for help. Now I'm the exact opposite because I understand that helped lead me to prison in my ignorance. I'm big on mentorship. I'm big on reaching out and asking questions. There is no dumb question. The only thing that's dumb is when you guess. You don't have to guess. People have lived lives. People have experienced so many things. You can live through their experience. You don't have to make the mistake. You don't have to guess. And people will help. I was just saying it's in the book. Huh? I was just saying it's in the book. Absolutely. Books teach us everything. It's a book written on everything. It is a book. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Getting back to what we were talking about, what we feed ourselves, because you know, leisure time is where a man is truly himself, not in business, but in your leisure time, the time that you have to yourself. Filling yourself up with nonsense and hypotheticals and false ideas and cartoons and video games and this nonsense, it distorts your brain. It makes your brain mush, just like bad food makes your body mush with our activity and the building, breaking down and building up of muscles. Learning new concepts break down and build up the muscles of the mind and enable you to have skills and process and experiences to draw upon when life calls for an answer, because life will call for an answer for all of us. Listening to self-help is a good cheat. Maybe you're not much of a reader. Listen to Zig Ziglar, Earl Nightingale, uh, John C. Maxwell, Tony Robbins, all these, all these people, Napoleon Hill, listening to books will help also. Listening to these things over and over again because what you eat is what you regurgitate to life. 
you know, your mind gate is so important in what you let in. Cutting off bad people. I got to talk about this. Triggers. You got to realize sometimes the triggers are the very people that you're the closest to, and you call them family. You call them your so-called friends. A lot of times women know what a friend is. We think just because you grew up with somebody, that's your friend. Y'all don't have no common interest. The only thing y'all got in common, y'all live on the same shoes at the same time. Like you hear everybody think, this is you in a bed area with a dude, oh, that's my friend. These ain't my friends. We just happen to be in the same prison at the same time. Logistics does not make a friend, does not make family. But if you don't know who you are, you're just clinging to something. You're just looking for something. You're looking for something to feed on. You know, because you're a parasite for real. You're just looking for something to suck something from. So, I mean, I guess I'm going to wrap it up there, but there's so much. And we, I'm going to get back to the whole prison experience, like I was talking about the journey, what the Bible did for me, and how that helped with my study a lot. That helped me get my study skills up. Uh, and, we, and we need to talk about, too, when you come back, that people say, all I read is the Bible. That's all I need. I don't need to read no more books. The Bible, I just need That's all I need the Bible. That is the biggest foolishness ever. <laughs> and you're doing yourself a disservice because the Bible has a purpose. It tells you what its purpose is. It has a purpose. It's, right. not, the, it's, not, the, it's, not, it's not the all purpose. It's the purpose to the Bible, you know, and it's purpose to learn it. Other you have one minute remaining. Anytime you say that's all I need, you can right. shut yourself out to the energy which is giving, the abundance, which is giving of the universe in every aspect. So I put no cap on myself. I put no cap on nobody else, you know. So don't put a cap on yourself. It's a curse to say all I need or all I got is one. But I don't want to go on that for a whole other conversation about curses and blessings. So, all right, brother, I enjoyed you. I'll call you later on this week. Check up on you. Yeah, all right. We'll do it next weekend. All right. Yeah, all right. Have a great week. Okay, man. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that was, uh, man, it's funny. That was last year, I guess. Yeah, last year the exact same time because we were talking about October and we were talking about something that's going to happen in November. And uh, hopefully Mr. Lou Field is on today. And uh, are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you, man. What what we do about that coverage of, of that uh that uh Sam that sad song you have? Did you did <laughs> are we just praying it ain't gonna happen again? Well, this it's holding up. It's holding up. So we're gonna hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, let's just hope the devil don't jump in again and break us up. So um first of all, I appreciate you being back on again, man, and uh, you know, we were grabbing a lot of stuff from you on Friday, but you know the phone didn't want to act right, so uh, let me ask you this. And it, like I said, it's it's funny that that clip was played played around the time now, which I think that was last year. You know, uh, could have been year before. I don't, we've been talking on the phone so long, so I don't know. But uh, I got a few questions I want to ask you. But before I move to those questions, is there anything you want to say about that that you just heard? Yeah, yeah, it is because. Um, it's funny. It's, it's good to be able to. Matter of fact, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? I'm Lewis Field. Uh, thank you, Mr. Swimming, for this opportunity to uh, utilize this platform too. So, the one thing that has changed, the Kinship uh, Coalition, they are now they're in the process of getting advocacy to start getting some funding from the state. So they're not at zero anymore. They still absolutely need help. But they did, uh, they have Sherrod Brown here in Ohio is like one of their biggest advocates 
and uh, they are in the process of getting some money funneled down through their program. Um, so that's a good thing. That's something that's changed. Um, the other thing that was funny is listening when I was talking about goals. If a person has afforded to to go through the process of setting goals, that's great. And they do work when you do it. Anything that you do usually works. What I found, though, in, over time uh, with my peers and with brothers, and you know, so that's just starting out when you meet somebody where they're at. Goals don't work. Very rarely will you deal with someone in the beginning stages of their development and you get them to set goals and they make it. And it's just discouragement. So I've somewhat uh, altered my feeling about the importance of goals. And it's more important to plant a seed and have an aim in a man or a woman's heart to begin with, if that makes sense. Because a goal takes you through these steps. And if I'm talking to a person who is not yet at that point to understand processes, cycles, systems, and patterns, and the discipline and fortitude to handle these steps, I'm overloading. And that's what I'm like. When a person just starting out, you got to meet them where they at across the board to really be effective. So it's not so much about me being right and trying to give them this and force them into this, but I just want them to start. And an aim will take you further than any goal. And it's funny. Remember I was telling you uh, I got hit to this social proof brother, and I asked you, yeah. you know about him? Right, right. The, the so just the past, because I was going to talk about this on Friday, I think that, that, matter of fact, that morning I saw one of his interviews with mm-hmm. the brother that made Scotty, uh, Melvin Numri or whatever. Uh, right. And that was one of the biggest things that he said. He said, I don't do goals. He said, because it's a cat. Even his mindset, he said, I never had a goal. He said, I just do something, and, you know, I just keep pushing until ask for everything that I got from me. And that was his mindset and how he looked at it. And it was just reinforcing that what I have learned through coaching and mentoring brothers, that the goal thing is overwhelming. When you're talking about time, they ain't understanding none of that. So once you went through this three-step, four-step, seven-step, smart, smart X, smart B, everybody got their own hook on the goal, you overwhelm this person. They just trying to make it. So you just get them, hey, man, what you want to do? Man, I want to stop drinking. Okay, we're just going to aim at that. Set your feet at it, and we're going to keep on walking through the rain, the snow, and whatever, and just keep on walking. At some point now, they well, get well, to the Let me ask you this. First, first of all, let me ask you, are you on speakerphone? Yeah, messing up. It kind of, can you come out? I don't know if it's going okay, to sound is better? different. All right, is it better? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why do you think stuff like goals overwhelm people? Is it because we hadn't really been taught anything through the system? or I mean, what is it that, I mean, because it sounds, you know. The process, it, of the, the process it takes to for your mind to get to the point where you start adopting rules and regulations, when you start adopt that there's a right way to do things, that they, they, the things aren't a guessing game. See, when you're ignorant, you think everything is a guessing game. Oh, they just rich because they got all that stuff. They, you know, they got all that stuff up there. You know, a dude get a degree, you go, you know an uncle got a master's degree, and they, they live in the suburbs, oh, they got all that money up there. They ain't got no whole bunch of money. They barely make it just like you barely make it. 
you working a job like you working a job. They just live in a neighborhood with a school system better, and they pay more taxes. But because of your ignorance, this, this dearth of understanding, you attributed them, this guy, like, I can't ever reach that, that level. And, okay, like you again, said, some type again, of though, Wait a minute, again, though, when you say because of your ignorance, and I agree totally with you on that, you know, why do we not know that we are that ignorant? Why do we, you know? You only know what you know, and that's the that is the thing that is so hard for everybody to like to get. You only know what you know. Like you, you only know what you know. Right. 